The Sacramento Kings are victorious in Oklahoma City. They make up half a game on the all-important 10th seed and final play-in spot in the Western Conference. And the difference for the Kings between their struggles in the first half and their dominance in the second half is something really simple that this Kings team can implement for the remainder of the season. I'll tell you what that is on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member covering the Sacramento Kings now for eight seasons. Uh, I work for ABC 10 News in Sacramento. And it really is as simple as one thing, one thing that changed the fortunes for the Sacramento Kings in this game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. A game in which for about two and a half quarters was significantly underwhelming. Now, that's not to say that the Kings were getting beaten down. That's not to say the Kings were getting embarrassed by any means, but we expect the Kings with this current roster, even if they're only a couple games ahead of the Thunder in the win column, we expect this roster to be better. The Kings have something right now to play for in their uh, their play-in race, and the Oklahoma City Thunder with their immense amount of draft picks. Uh, I know the players don't necessarily care about that, but they're a young team that is just throwing a bunch of young guys out there and developing just by having them play together. The Kings are not in that same spot. And quite frankly, the fact that both teams are so close in the standings is an indictment, honestly, on how poorly this Kings season has gone. Now, that being said, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the Oklahoma City Thunder because one thing this team does do very well, and they have done in every single game against the Kings this season, they play hard. They play with intensity. They play with effort. And those two words, intensity and effort, are going to be brought up a lot here and things that I'm going to be discussing a lot here in this segment as I share with you the key difference, at least to me, between the first half Sacramento Kings who were struggling to create any separation, who were basically neck and neck with a Thunder team that they should be much better than. Fox was just fine. DeMontis Abonis was openly struggling, but believe it or not, the way that their stars were playing was not the reason why the Kings were struggling so much. There's one thing that happened when Davion Mitchell came into the game in the third quarter with about a few minutes left. And for the remainder of the game, for the remainder of the game, from like the uh, the four or three minute mark of the third quarter through the final buzzer, the Sacramento Kings were leagues better than the Thunder. Way better. One thing changed for the Kings, and it's the thing that has plagued this team all season long. It's the thing that's plagued this organization, not just for the last couple of years, but really for the majority, if not all, of this playoff drought, and that's defense. No matter what the Kings show us, no matter what I could say here on the Locked on Kings podcast, the Kings will never be a good 
defensive team or will not be for the remainder of the season. The hope is that Monty McNair and the Kings can correct that this offseason going into next year. But I've been saying that every single end of a season into an offseason since I took over hosting the Locked on Kings podcast. So I'm not going to waste my time on that. My point is, what we saw from the Kings, what they did against the Oklahoma City Thunder, they didn't just have the success that they had in the second half because they were playing a worse team that ran out of gas. That is a very simplified way to look at things, and you're missing the point. What the Kings did tonight against OKC from the end of the third quarter through the remainder of the game is something that they can do every single night against any team, and that's simply play with hustle energy, intensity on defense, because that opens up so much for this team. And we saw it right then and there. Dante DiVincenzo and Davion Mitchell really picked up the pressure with the perimeter defense towards the end of the third quarter. And what did that do? The Kings were getting stops, and more importantly, the Kings were getting out in transition. I know pace is something that we've kind of had to talk too much about with this Kings team over the recent two, three, four years that De'Aaron Fox has been the guy here, right? His speed, pace of play, that's where the Kings are at their best when they're fast and they're getting up and down the floor. It's true, we also spend too much time on it because as important as pace is, you can't have pace without defensive stops. We we have seen the Kings try and play fast off of a made shot by their opponents and off of an inbound pass. It just doesn't work the same as forcing a turnover or a missed shot where you have a rebounding big like DeMontis Sabonis who now cleans up the glass, solving your rebound problem or at least helping your rebound problem. Because as good as the Kings were in past years getting out in transition, even when they were getting defensive stops, half the time the Kings struggled. It was a, This was a major problem this season. The Kings struggled to secure the defensive rebound. They do all the hard work on defense where they're not normally successful and then give up an offensive rebound to second and third chance opportunities. The Kings were killed by that over the last couple seasons. Now they have a big in DeMontis Sabonis who is capable of crashing the glass the way that he does. He's also a great passer. He can run the floor and push the tempo too if you want to. But what we saw in the third quarter, to be fair, Sabonis actually wasn't really in the game at this point in time. But what we saw is the Kings getting stops, picking up the intensity defensively. And it wasn't just the two guards, although they set the tone. Everybody picked up the defensive intensity, secured our defensive rebounds. They were getting out in transition. And what that does for the Sacramento Kings and the flow of the game cannot be understated. And flow is something that stands out to me because this Kings team just looks disjointed when they're not playing fast, when they're not playing free, when they are forced into half-court offensive sets, even with DeMontis Sabonis, who has made the Kings significantly better in the half-court offense significantly better because they can run the ball through them in the high or low post. And Harrison Barnes is probably the most go-to, even with Sabonis here, Harrison is probably the most go-to half-court scorer that the Kings have because of his uh, abilities as a uh, as a post player for a wing. But even with those two, the Kings are clunky. They're disjointed. I'm going to use a video game term because it's something that makes sense to me. But actually, this could be an internet term or like if you're streaming and watching Netflix. You know when you're just not getting the full capability of your frames that you have like on, on, on television or your internet just is not buffering or processing things quick enough. So there's a slight blur or it things get choppy. That's the way I look at the Sacramento Kings when they're not playing fast and they're not getting out in transition. They just look choppy. Things look stagnant. It just doesn't feel smooth. 
When the Kings get out in transition and allow their defense to open up their offense, allow the fluidity of quick passes, quick decisions, attacking the basket, or transition threes, it open, it smooths everything out and opens everything up for everybody. And it even opens up their half-court offense as well. Because where, where have we seen this Kings team, this new version of the Kings, look the absolute best with the exception of the end of this game in Oklahoma City. It was the fourth quarter of the first game with Sabonis and Fox together against the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? When the Kings were going on that big run, there was energy in the Golden One Center. They were getting out in transition, a lot of passing. Even though they were running the ball through DeMontis Sabonis in the high post, they were getting the ball to him quickly and cutting and playing fast off of that and having a lot of outlets, a lot of opportunities to score. Fox was feasting. Sabonis was piling up the assists as well as looking for his own offense. The Kings were at their best then, and it was because on the other end of the floor, they were getting defensive stops. Again, I'm not trying to be captain obvious here and say, if the Kings were a better defensive team, they'd be a better basketball team because anybody could tell you that it doesn't take a basketball IQ to tell you that. But what I'm saying is this Kings team, even if they're not capable of being a good defensive team for the remainder of this season, they are capable of playing at their best and playing better just with effort on the defensive end of the floor. Fundamentally, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to give up uh, easy looks. They're going to at times close out too hard uh, on three point shots. And that would result in an easy lane to the basket or an easy swing and an open three in the corner. I would rather the Kings close out too hard and it fail than for them to close out too soft or to stand around with their hands in their pockets. Like we unfortunately see from time to time with this group. And it's not any one guy. It's the group. It's the Kings as a whole defensively in that first half, Sacramento looked terrible. They looked disinterested. And the Oklahoma City Thunder were making the Kings pay. Shea Gilgis Alexander looked better than every single person on the floor. In the second half, the Kings started with the defensive end, started with the spark off the bench from uh, Dante DiVincenzo and Davion Mitchell defensively, started out in transition, and that momentum that they built carried them through the remainder of the game. Now, I would like to see the Kings do this against a better team than the Oklahoma City Thunder. Actually, screw that. Forget that. I would like to see the Kings do that against the Spurs and the uh, New Orleans Pelicans in their two games coming up on Wednesday and Thursday because not only are those two games incredibly important, those are two teams that are theoretically on the same level as you are. I don't expect the Kings to be as good defensively as either of those two teams. But if they can play that way, with that energy defensively, it's going to make their overall game significantly better because they're going to get more opportunities in transition. It's going to make their game, their game, the fluidity of the game, the flow of the game, so much better for this Kings team. Because when they play slow, when they play methodical, almost strategic, they are beaten every single time. Every Because this team just isn't there yet. They're better because of players like DeMontis Sabonis being able to run uh, through him in the high post. But even then, we've seen when the Kings play slow, Fox and Sabonis don't look nearly as good together as when the Kings are playing with a little bit of energy. Fox is running off cuts and the, the, the ball is moving. A lot of guys are touching the ball. The spacing is great. That all comes from an overall team energy that comes from playing a more freestyle of basketball, which is a result of the Kings getting out in transition and getting more opportunities because of defensive stops. If they're just trading buckets, going back and forth like a teeter-totter, it's clunk, 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 
clunk, clunk. That's just how it feels. Rather than just the smooth Kings playing to their strengths. And what we saw in the second half was because defensively the Kings were able to get stops, they were able to play to their strengths. Even though defense is not a strength of this team, defense is essential to their strength. And that's what I need to see this team grasp and understand that they are capable of doing that right now with anybody on their roster because it doesn't take an incredible amount of defensive talent. You don't have to have a roster of elite defenders to play with energy and effort and hustle to discombobulate opponents or frustrate opponents and when they miss shots because... I mean, we've seen teams hit 60 plus percent on the Kings before, but when they shoot less than 50%, when they shoot less than 45%, the Kings should be exploiting that with transition opportunities. And quite frankly, they just have not been doing that. They have not been doing that. But when they do, we see the second half, like what they put together here in their 131-110 win against the Thunder. It was a team win. Like I said, it started with the two guards, Dante and Davion, coming off the bench defensively. But as a team, the Kings won this game. They had six players finishing double-figure scoring. I'm going to talk about that. Talk about the great game of Trey Lyles in his first start for the Sacramento Kings. I'm not reading too far into it, but he looked good. And let's be honest here. This is not a negative thing. This is just the truth. The Kings played really well in that second half. They finished the game strong. Fox and Sabonis played a lot better in the second half. But overall, this was not the greatest game for them. Stat lines, they're good. Very happy with the stat lines for both players for the most part. I'm happy once again with Fox's stat line. But again, it wasn't a perfect game for either of the two. Which tells me two things. Number one, that when those two have great games, the Kings are going to be really, really, really good. And we saw Sabonis have a great game a couple of games ago against the, the Nuggets at home and Fox just wasn't there. But when they're both on the same page, who knows how good this team can be. And that's the Kings have a lot of hope for that. But number two is the Kings also don't have to be reliant on those two having superstar games for them to be at their absolute best. I'll talk about that more here in just a little bit after I tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. We are officially in March, well, we're February 28th at the time of this recording, but I know a lot of you are going to be listening to this on March 1st. And welcome to March. I hope your uh, New Year's resolutions are still going strong. If they're not, though, that's okay. You can pick them back up, especially if your New Year's resolutions have to be with eating right, getting healthier, replacing some of those candy bars and unhealthy snacks that you're cramming uh, down your throat. Look, we all have the sweet tooth. We all do. And candy bars are attractive to all of us, uh, depending upon what time of the day it is, what kind of day we had. Half the time, it doesn't even matter. I could be having a good day and suddenly, oh, wow, that bag of M&Ms looks pretty good. Built Bar takes away that temptation because it replaces that temptation with something that is just as delicious. Some would say even more delicious. And on top of that, it's better for you. Allow yourself to get that New Year's resolution uh, back in tr uh, on track by eating and making built bars part of your daily diet and part of your food routine. Look, I use a built or I eat a built bar every single day. Every single day. If I don't have a built bar, I'm usually my day's thrown off a little bit. Like people have their cup of coffee in the morning. For me, it's my built bar to start the day. I work really early in the morning for ABC 10 News here in Sacramento. I'm up at 2:30 or 2. I'm out the door at 2:30. I'm starting work at 3. By about 5 o'clock, I need my built bar. I need my mint brownie built bar specifically. Because it tastes like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Now, some would think I'm weird for eating something that's like mint chocolate chip ice cream at 5 a.m., but you know what? Hey, don't judge me. Because not only is it that tasty, it's good for me, and it gives me the protein that I need, 
gives me the energy that I need, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein compared to like a candy bar or a breakfast bar or something that is not good for me that I could eat instead that has like 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. My day's off to a way better start. There's a ton of flavors for you to try. You can get a mixed box on built.com to try a bunch of different flavors, or you can go and pick the flavors that you know or you think that you're going to like and order your own custom box. Whatever you order on built.com, make sure you use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I don't have the time to do it right now, and I suppose I could have done it before recording the podcast, but it sounds like a lot of work that I'm not interested in doing at the moment, to be honest with you. But there is a consistent theme with the Kings and their best games this season, their best wins this season. In fact, the majority of the wins that the Kings have had this season have one thing in common. It's that four or more Kings players have finished with double figure scoring. The Kings this season, when they've won, they've had their most success as a team. And that's before this trade, after this trade, it doesn't matter. If Fox is having a big night, that's great. If Sabonis is having a big night, that's great. But like we saw in the first game against the Nuggets, even with Sabonis having his big night, the Kings need more from everybody else that they want a chance to win. They're just not good enough yet. That's why the supporting cast is so important. So for the Kings to have a game here in Oklahoma City where they had six players finishing double-figure scoring, three of the six players finishing with 20-plus points, and one of those three players being Trey Lyles, that's significant for the Kings. De'Aaron Fox led the way with a 29-point 10-assist double-double, his third double-double of the season, which I misspoke last time. I said that was his first double-double of the season. It was actually his second uh, in the the Kings' uh, loss to the Nuggets the other night. So he's, he's got back-to-back double-doubles, back-to-back 10-assist games. No but here. Because people got mad at me for saying but after praising De'Aaron Fox after the Nuggets game. It's easier not to have a but because the Kings won the basketball game. But 10-assist games for De'Aaron Fox, I will eat those like they're built bars. Give them to me. They're delicious. I love that from De'Aaron Fox. And Fox has impressed me with his vision in recent games. He's finding open players in the corner. He's using his speed on the perimeter to draw in defenses and find that open man. A lot of that has to do with the Kings' better spacing that they're figuring out uh, now with Fox and Sabonis as that duo. But with actually so much attention on DeMontis Sabonis too, you can see Sabonis will get into the higher low post and ask for the ball. And there is a tension immediately that goes on Sabonis because it looks like Fox or whoever has the ball is just going to be dropping the ball off to Sabonis. Instead, Fox has used moments like that to attack, draw in another defender from the corner and find the open man in the corner or even get his own shot from mid-range or at the rim. Like De'Aaron's decision-making in these past couple of games has been really, really solid. Very solid, and it's great to see. A 29-point, 10-assist double-double. The only complaint, I guess this is kind of a but, the only complaint that I have about De'Aaron Fox's game is the fact that he struggled from the free-throw line again. I love that he got to the line 14 times. Absolutely love that, De'Aaron Fox. Only 8 of 14, that's just not good enough. Not good enough. It's barely over 50%. That has to be better. And Fox knows that. I'm not saying anything that he doesn't already know. He left a lot of points at the free-throw line tonight. It didn't come back to really haunt the Kings towards the end, but we know uh, part of Fox's progression in addition to his three-point shooting, and he was one of five from three-point range in this game, uh, is becoming a more consistent free-throw shooter. And since the Sabonis trade, he has been better. He was shooting over 80% from the free-throw line since the Sabonis trade. I don't know if after tonight's game that has dipped back down in the 70s. Around the mid to high 70s is where he's been for the majority of the season. 
If you can get that into the 80s, Fox, it's a, just another step in his career. Speaking of DeMontis Sabonis, he didn't have the best of games. He overcame a really slow start, and he had a really tough time taking care of the basketball. He had like seven turnovers, either late in the first half or early in the second half, and he only had one turnover for the remainder of the game after that. Love to see that. Love to see that from Sabonis. A lot of that had to do with the fact that the Kings were, like, like I said last segment, they were playing a lot more free, they were less clunky, and Sabonis benefited from that even as their go-to half-court guy. So, of course, he needs to clean up those turnovers, but a 14-point, 16-rebound double-double. It's his second straight 16-rebound game, I believe, and it's his 40th double-double of the season. He's had a double-double in five of his six games, or six of, how many games has he played as a king now? Is this number six? I think it's number six, and he's had a double-double in all but one of his games as a king. Don't need to say much more uh, about that. Harrison Barnes, every time Harrison scores over 20 points, the Kings have a great chance to win. He went 6 of 12 from the field, uh, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He, in addition to Fox, did great uh, at getting to the foul line. Also had uh, five rebounds and a couple assists, a couple of steals as well. And then Trey Lyles. Like When I saw Trey Lyles was starting, I, I was basically what I told myself was, okay, I'm willing to give it a shot. It looks like Alvin Gentry is just kind of throwing you know what, against the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, and for, at least for this game, Trey Lyle's stuck. He helps space the floor. He's not the greatest of shooters, but he, he's not a hindrance. He's more known for his offense than he is on his defense, but what else is new for this Kings team, right? Overall, a very efficient game, 10 of 14 from the field, finished with 24 points, also had six rebounds, a couple of assists, like a very solid game. Do I think he's going to be able to maintain that? No. Should he start against the Spurs? Yeah, and I'm interested to see how he follows up this game. To me, and this is going to be something that we're going to discuss more on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast. The Kings have three for sure starters. Three for sure starters. And then the rest of their roster is just kind of fringe. Fringe talent. This offseason, the Kings need to find True starter number four and five. And truth be told, I don't know if either of those guys are on this team right now. That's a lot of the work that Monty McNair has to do. But for the remainder of this season, you have to find the fringe talent that makes the most sense. Trey Lyles might be that guy. Justin Holiday might be that guy. Hell, the way that uh, Davion Mitchell played in this game with his 13 points on six of nine shooting off the bench in addition to the defense that he always provides, he might be that guy. Dante DiVincenzo also had a pretty solid game with 14 points, five of seven shooting, four of six from three-point range. Love that stat line from Dante. I'll take that stat line every day of the freaking week in addition to five uh, rebounds and four assists. Really, really underrated, I think, game that kind of slides under the radar a little bit for DiVincenzo. He and Mitchell were the two guys off the bench that finished in double-figure scoring. Like that is a very balanced team win. And that's been pretty consistent for the Kings in their 23 wins this season. They're now 23 and 40 on the year. And like I said in the intro, uh, they will make up half a game uh, on the 10th seed. I believe the New Orleans Pelicans are now uh, in the 10th seed, even if they are tied uh, with the Portland Trailblazers, the uh, Pelicans just smashed the Lakers uh, last night. And the Lakers, of course, are in the ninth seed. Yep, so the, the Pelicans and Trailblazers are officially tied with the same win percentage, but the Pelicans, I guess, have the uh, the tiebreaker 
over the Blazers for that 10th spot. Uh, the Kings are now uh, three and a half games back. Have they updated that yet? No, they have not updated it yet. So they will be three games back um, of the Pelicans by the end of the night because the Pelicans did not play uh, and neither did the Portland Trailblazers. Kings also gain a little bit of ground on the San Antonio Spurs who lost tonight uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies, a game in which John Morant just had some incredible highlights. If you missed those, go and check that out. But before we wrap up today's podcast, I want to tell you what we're really going to be focusing on on yet or tomorrow's pod in addition uh, to the starting lineup conversation and, and how Monty McNair needs to find a way to bolster the starting lineup this upcoming offseason. I'll share with you what we're going to be focusing on a ton. And it's a conversation that we've had a little bit with guests so far on Locked on Kings in recent weeks. But this is going to be a conversation that I'm looking for a lot of input from you. I'll share with you what that is uh, after I tell you about Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Take that Kings knowledge, take that basketball knowledge, take that sports knowledge. Use it to your advantage. Make money off it. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, your podcasts, and your news this season, in addition to being a moneymaker. It's not just basketball as well. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. If baseball ever returns, they have baseball stuff. Soccer, if you're a soccer fan, both international uh, and domestic. Uh, and then, of course, when football is happening, BetOnline is huge on the football scene as well. Head to the action uh, and make sure you cash in by going to their website today or using their mobile device uh, on their mobile app to learn more about the trends and the action at bet online where the game starts. So I need your help on tomorrow's locked on Kings podcast. This is a conversation that I'm mainly going to have with myself. I don't think I'm going to have a guest on tomorrow, although that might change, but right now you have a homework assignment. I need you to send in your thoughts because this is something that I think the fan base is kind of divided on. What is best for the Sacramento Kings for the remainder of the season? This is a, a conversation, a topic that I had uh, brought up, and we had a long uh, conversation about this with the four Sacramento Kings media members that I had on my roundtable last week. We talked about this in length, but I think this is changing, honestly, by the day. What is best for the Sacramento Kings? Is it for the Kings to lose games, have the best odds uh, draft lottery odds at a top pick that they could either use to take a exciting young player to add to this Fox and Sabonis core, or my personally more likely option, Monty McNair uses that pick and a player or two to go and trade for another big name. Maybe not a Sabonis or Fox level name, but a name maybe on the Harrison Barnes level that comes in and is plugged into this Kings team that instantly makes them better and gives their chances at, at, at being a legitimate playoff, not playing playoff contender next year. Uh, it, it increases those chances. Is that better for the Kings right now? Is that the better case scenario? Not for them to focus on because make uh, no mistake about it. Kings players and coaches are not there for that. They're trying to make the play in now they're trying to win right now, but is it better for the Kings honestly to lose games right now? Or is it better for DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox to 
see success together right away. To have games like they had against the Oklahoma City Thunder, but against better teams in important games, like their two games coming up against San Antonio and New Orleans. That Pelicans game being a huge game. To win those games when the pressure is on. To have an opportunity to play in a play-in scenario where it's single elimination. It's not a playoff atmosphere, but it's pretty damn close. Stakes are higher than they've ever been for someone like De'Aaron Fox in his career. To give them that experience and more importantly to see that Fox and Sabonis are comfortable playing together. Give them momentum heading into this offseason and giving Monty McNair a better idea of what the Kings have and what the Kings need for their hopes for next season. Is that better or are draft lottery odds better? We're going to have a full-on discussion and try and break down the positives and negatives, the pros and cons of both sides. But I want to hear your thoughts on this. Send them to me at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, make sure you're jumping into the YouTube comment section. I'm going to read a lot of these. I'm going to take a lot of this into account. Honestly, if you're uh, on Twitter or on YouTube or anything like that, or um, I should say over email, if you want to send me like an audio track of your thoughts, let's do it. Let's do it. I would love to hear different thoughts of yours in this debate that I could maybe even bring and play here on the Locked on Kings podcast tomorrow. If that's something you want to do, have at it. I would absolutely love that. But this is going to be a big conversation tomorrow uh, during this Kings off day before two extremely important games that happen, unfortunately, to be on a back-to-back. The Spurs on Wednesday and uh, the uh, Pelicans on Thursday. So make sure uh, you're jumping in on that conversation. If you could also leave a review for the Locked on Kings podcast, I really would appreciate that. Best place to do that is on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It's been a little while since I've seen an updated or new like custom review on there, although uh, those of you who have just been hitting the stars, I appreciate you as, as well. There is a little blurb for you to uh, share why uh, you, you like the podcast, why you'd encourage others to listen to the podcast. It's even a good place for constructive criticism. It's not just something to inflate my ego. It helps us out. It helps us uh, attract new listeners. It helps get uh, the podcast noticed by people who are just browsing maybe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. So if you could help us out with that, that would be great. If you are listening on Spotify and Spotify users, you've been going crazy uh, rating uh, the show on Spotify. I'm so thankful for that. Unfortunately, there's no custom box, but there is a star system. Hit five stars, of course, only if you think the show is worthy of that rating. I really would appreciate that. And of course, I would appreciate you joining me uh, on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast. I hope to have you with me. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.